later on that the sport was still, it had potential where I lived in the Catskills. Sylvie, I would go back almost 25 years later. I guess we're doing the math, whatever it is. The same people were in charge of what was going on in Woodstock from when I would done the race in the late 80s, early oh 90s. Oh my gosh. And I said to them, we would like to do a women's only. So as the trajectory from putting on events as a kid, my first event was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I was 15 years old with a group of older states people and we did it. We put on this great race and bragging rights to all your listeners, that race is still going on 45 years later. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dow, sitting here in beautiful Chelsea, Quebec, Canada. And we have Martin Broom. That's right. Is that right? All right. Who is not too far from me. (laughs) He's sitting in Kingston, New York. And today, now listen up, everybody. This is part of the January series. Now, before we that is dedicated to cycling events for 2022. Now, this series has only eight in them, and I'm super excited to bring these eight events to you. And maybe possibly you might want to add them to your calendar. Now, before we get started, make sure you're following myself on Instagram, Martin on Instagram, um, and the podcast there as well so you don't miss another episode it also helps us grow this podcast now martin and this has a woman's cycling event he is the manager director of the three days of all-star cycling woman's tour in new york state so very close if you're here in canada listening to this so about four hours from new from Montreal, probably about five from Ottawa, and a decent distance to go for a multi-day event. So what the the focus here is, it's world-class women's only cycling focused weekend competition and camaraderie. And that's where we brought Martin in to give us more details about this. And I am hoping to hear about more women getting out on the road and hitting these events. So welcome, Martin. How are you doing? I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much. I'm actually super flattered um, and humbled. This is a great opportunity for us to chat about something that's dear to both of our hearts, the sport of competitive cycling, but through the optics of women and what they're achieving, in the, especially in the next couple of years with the two of them. 
So yeah. Yeah. So tell me. Oh, I'm, I'm awesome. So before we always get into the topic of the cycling event, I'd like you to give a little background on how you got into cycling and what brought you to become a race director and creating uh, events for women. Wow. What a wonderful question. Hopefully I don't come across <laughs> as being egotistical and sharing. Um, being that this is uh, the topic is about bicycling and competitive cycling, but with women as kind of the focus point, it was my mom who suggested we had moved from Canada Ooh. to the U.S. My dad's a college professor here in the United States. And we moved from Vancouver and ended up in the U.S. And unbeknownst to me as a kid, until I and my brother, Michael, became avid bicyclists, we had a professional cyclist in our family. My mom's cousin was in the 50s and the 60s, one of Holland's top pros, uh, and rode with a team uh, that was eventually sponsored by Raleigh. Peter Post would become a world champion on the pursuit. Uh, and he was in our family. So when bicycling and uh, I guess what happens with anyone who rides a bicycle, at some point you want to test your abilities. You read the race against your brother or your friends, or you go fast or you do something like a time trial or you just ride 100 miles and go, wow, I just did something that is pretty big. My mom would encourage us to look further from those day-to-day -day activities that we kind of we did as young people. And lo and behold, not too far from where my mom and dad lived, south of Boston, was a series of bicycle races. And we went and I don't know, I guess we just had the willpower and, and a desire because we knew nothing about racing. We used soccer shoes when we were riding and they were toe clips and everything was so like we tried to be professional, but you know, we didn't know what to do. And in fact, through a little bit of, I guess, reading papers or magazines, whatever was available back then, we learned that you have to just sort of ride and be focused and stay healthy and do all of that. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> we go to these events and we did well. We ended up, I think, placing the top, my brother and I would place in the top three or four. And it turned out, and I think this was a turning point in all of this, Cindy, and to your listeners, we had a mentor. He had recently just retired or was soon to retire from competitive cycling. Um, I don't think he yet had retired. He would later go on and win a stage at the Britain's Milk Race, named Dave Chawner, who would later become a huge mentor to me in that he produced some of the best bicycle races in North America, the Philadelphia International, the San Francisco Grand Prix. He was just great. His name was Dave Chawner, and he was working as a salesman uh, selling a product called Wayless. They made hubs and rollers. I'm definitely dating myself to anyone who knows that name. They're probably laughing. Wow, he really is old. But he said very clearly and candidly, if you want to do this as a sport, you have to be willing to ride in all weather. You have to just be persevering. You have to hope that you meet someone that can give you a little bit of leadership. But you have to do it by trial and error. You're going to find that you're going to crash. You're going to have a flat tire but you can't be dissuaded by those moments. And we never forgot that. And we would later then get involved with Team Canada. We would ride the world championships and we would do these things that were just really unbeknownst, <laughs> unknown goals even, or thoughts as kids. 
And I think that's the trajectory that a lot of the women cyclists that we're, we've over the last eight years focused upon with our event, event is to develop that kind of endearing thought that you can be anything in a sport that is really hard. You just have to sort of be willing to stick with it. And having folks like UCLV to encourage the athletes to, to recommend ways to do things, nutrition, issues of wellness, recovery, are really crucial. So my long-winded approach to sharing a little bit of how I got in spike cycling was I wasn't sure I was ever going to be a soccer player of any good uh, quality. And <laughs> bicycling seemed like a great way to get away from my mom and dad. And uh, it's a real way of freedom, if you will. And um, we did well. We were talented and we stuck with it. And, you know, lo and behold, all these years later, um, when people ask me, why are you producing, in this case, a women's only bicycle race? I kind of do it not with a sexist or gender orientation. It's more like, and not to be arrogant, it's like, I know how to do it. You know, I've been there. I've, I've seen the sport. I know what it takes to put on a great race about, about safety. And in the case of women, back when we started eight years ago, Sylvie, there was no marquee event for women in North America other than the Gatineau Classic, which has had its sort of up and downs. And people would migrate to that race. The World Tour riders, well, it wasn't even called World Tour years ago. The elite riders would go there because of the UCI points. For your listeners, UCI is like the kind of the umbrella key to all of cycling, the governing body. But at the end of the day, it seemed to make more sense to do. If I were going to give back to the sport, I mean, junior racers are really important because you want to have a future. But women were sort of lost in this kind of shuffle like there'd be an event they would go off at seven in the morning and then the men would get the spectators at 12 and i just seem discombobulated so i think and though i live or, in the u.s or worse think, martin we right. get to or worse we get to race with the older riders well, yeah, <laughs> there's, like, there's all these different aspects of it that didn't seem really encouraging and um I know this sounds a little bit odd, but being Canadian and yet living in the States, my parents are European. Um, I think we're very much about um, what's the word equality and parity as sort of a, maybe I'm a feminist at heart, but it came really easy to take this idea of putting on a world-class intended event in the Catskill mountains, which is where Woodstock is and doing it, knowing that people might be a little bit like, what, women don't, women's own, whatever. Not the case at all. Red carpet treatment from Woodstock. They could not get enough of this thought. This is what they want to do. They want to be worldly and they want to be sort of on the cutting edge in their own crunchy girl away. <laughs> I love it. And that area is nice and it's dang hilly. <laughs> yeah, well. we, we, um, we pride ourselves, everybody, on, and for those listeners that come, it's an event, the 62-mile out-and-back road race has a two-mile climb in it that just goes up, and it's got switchbacks. Is that Hell's Kitchen? No, no, we didn't, we were thinking that, but that goes into another county, and the logistics are, once you get to another county, you've got to deal with a whole different sort of political spectrum. Uh, law enforcement agencies and so on. So we kept it within, but bragging rights for everyone listening. The Dalai Lama has a North American headquarters or a monastery in Woodstock, New York. And when you climb this mountain at the top of the mountain is this monastery, KTD, so much so that the monks come out, encourage the riders, 
the Dalai Lama sends monks to our community dinner, which we, we open up the weekend with this dinner where we have guest speakers and the athletes get a really wonderful meal, not costing very much money. And it's just become from that comment and then all the other experiences that some of the riders who have been there always remind me, there's just a sense of community. And if you get a hundred athletes and especially a hundred women athletes, to see them encourage each other before the race and when they're done smiling, even though they may have lost to someone else, makes up for all those moments I remember racing where there just seemed to be this animosity, you know, you just see the guy on guy. They didn't quite want, there's like this like weird tectonic plate. And yet with women, there's just the camaraderie was to the 10th, 10th level, 10 power, 10th power. Yeah. So no, yeah, it's I, a little bit about the race. I agree with you. Women's race is different. Um, and like I was telling you, Martin, like I spent eight years racing and I started a, a women's master's team back in 2005 before I even started my club. Um, and that was like, I'd never raced before. It's just like, hey, does anybody want to race and learn how to race together? And then we got our... Um, uh, racing coach Judy Utsubo. I don't know if you know Pierre yeah, sure. Utsubo. Yeah, yeah. Pierre's on so, our board. Pierre has yeah. been behind me for eight years. Yeah. So he, so his daughter coached us. Great. And um, we were actually her first cycling coaching clients. Well, I had no idea. Um, my my sister actually found her at a. She went to a networking event. <laughs> Anyways, it's just like so. So that was my first experience and it, it, it grew from there. Um, and I had, uh, I had quite a few women through the years, the, the eight, nine years that I had um, the event because, you know, racing isn't for everybody. It isn't. <laughs> no, well, competition is, competition is a mindset <clears throat> in competitive cycling outside of time trialing. There is an aspect of danger that you don't get playing a team sport like soccer or even basketball. But I do think, and I shared with your listeners and you, Sylvie, that I had my mom, who happens to be a woman, but around me were mainly men supporting us, you know, elevating to a higher level. I would go live in Holland and race in Holland, living with my cousin and sort of tasting how they do it in Holland. And as, as you and your listeners may realize, the best women cyclists right now come from the flattest nation in the world, Holland. They are the most amazing mountain climbers. They are uh, just incredible athletes in general. And I give a lot of tribute to how developed, the cycling is developed in Holland, whether as a commu com commuting, uh, just entertainment, family events, or competitive. But I think when you look at what you've described with Julie and having someone who really feels, not like the mother goose scenario, but feels that bringing the group together and being a group working and intertwining and not having it be ego driven. I mean, everyone at some point, I mean, the cream rises to the top and sometimes ego is the way you get to the top, you know, sort of with blinders and the like. But when you look at how an event really evolves like ours, it was always about bringing men and women, women and men together to highlight women athletes and seeing that as the theme evolve and seeing the women help each other. Because I would guess that some of the women who raced our race the first year, who I know would develop to be better riders, 
we're probably also supporting other athletes in their community or, 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 or in their area or in the club and encouraging them. Like for example, the riders from Philadelphia, why would they want to come to the, literally, why would you want to come to the Catskills and have to climb mountains when Philadelphia, yes, there are hills and the like, but it's not a mountainous area that we've had 30 times, we've had riders, I think in the numbers of 30 coming from the Philly area and they've all supported each other to come for this personal challenge and, and then also be supportive of our, our bicycle race and all the messages behind it. Wow. So Martin, go back to how you just like, how the creation of this event evolved or started because you said it's um, been eight years right yeah it'll be yeah uh, again, it's two years in mothballs we started in 20 <laughs> the the idea started in 2012 uh in part i had been uh riding and helping some of the promotion of the grand fondo new york event and i saw just the appeal that it had for non-competitive event on the numbers the scale of participation was just flabbergasting thousands of people would come out and do this event and knowing that women's competitive cycling was always interesting, but never that much spoken when I was a kid. There were some incredible riders, Connie Carpenter, who would then be the mom to Taylor Finney, world champion on the track. These riders were all doing their thing. And oftentimes they were beating men. They would combine their races. And as you described earlier, they would ride together um, and do their thing. But it seemed, pardon me, it seemed that back then, the women were still getting a little bit more limelight than they seem to be getting in the 20th century. You know, we're talking like, you know, we're in the 21st century now. Um, and I just felt like, wow, if I could put on a bike race as I did when I quit racing and moved back from Europe, I put on a bicycle race in Greenwich, Connecticut, but I didn't start it. Someone else had done it and then it, it, it disappeared. I brought it back and I got the bug for it. So then the story goes back to Dave Chawner, the mentor who said, stick with the sport, regardless of the weather, flat tires, even he mentioned the cost of it, because there's a sort of a, a reality of the cost of uh, competitive cycling, you know, buy a bike and then the clothing and all the travel. Uh, and it's a little bit prohibitive at times, but Dave would go on to put on these big events and Dave was suggestive, like, you know, you could make a living doing this. And I naively thought that, oh, I'll be a race promoter and I'll live the happy life because, you know, it'll be such a great sporting event and they'll all grow. Greenwich Criterion will become more popular. So that didn't quite work out. But I still, when I moved to Woodstock, I still thought, well, I can maybe do this from a passion project perspective. So in 1989, we put on a men's event in Woodstock. Lo and behold, we did it for three years. Then I became a dad and I have two sons, Max, who loves bicycling, Harrison as well. And they uh, took the focus. So bicycling kind of went into my version of mothballs and then <laughs> realized later on that the sport was still, it had potential where I lived in the Catskills. Sylvie, I would go back almost 25 years later. I guess we're doing the math, whatever it is. The same people were in charge of what was going on in Woodstock from when I would done the race in the late 80s, early oh 90s. Oh, my gosh. And I said to them, we would like to do a women's only. So as the trajectory from putting on events as a kid, my first event was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I was 15 years old with a group of older states people, and we did it. We put on this great race. And bragging rights to all your listeners, 
that race is still going on 45 years later. Is that the Catskills race? No, the Plymouth race, uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Okay. And funny enough, it's often the same weekend as our event. And those individuals in Massachusetts ought not to have women on their schedule telling all the women to go to Woodstock. So very nice. We've had this evolution over the years of incredible support from the community, from the sporting world. There are a lot of triathletes that love what they can do here because our event is based on two different kind of images. So you've got the elite riders and then you've got the developmental concept. And with USA Cycling, there's and maybe in Canada, but you have the category four riders, and then you've got the elite or the pro one, two, three. So we try to keep the one twos together and then the fours to do their thing. And because the barrier of the sport, the barriers to the sport may be cost and distance because a lot of events are far away, unfortunately. But there's also a nice side about traveling, you know, four or five hours with your teammate That's four or five hours. You get to see a different part of the country and you're talking or doing your thing. But what we started to see was if you do a road race, you don't have to be a criterion rider. You don't have to be someone who has to like be so nervous about being six or eight inches from another rider. If you're just starting out in that road race, if you don't have a really great capacity for starting with the other 40 or 50 riders and you get dropped, you're still in a race environment. You still create a personal challenge and more than likely you'll catch other riders and then you create your own little group. And that group begins to work together and friendships are fostered forever resultant of that experience. And that's what I think we see more and more and more happening. These athletes in their first year doing it in a road race environment may be overwhelmed by the distance, 34 or 62 miles, but they do it. So they've done this personal challenge then they meet other athletes in the same boat. And there's that bonding that goes on. And I will tell you, we've seen riders, and it makes me want to cry saying this, they'll cross the finish line in tears of happiness to have done it. And you will see the other athletes who are still hanging out, regardless of club or team, supporting them and, in, and really encouraging it. And we also do a barbecue afterwards where we do our award ceremony. And that's where you see a lot of everyone coming. So you said it's a stage race. What Correct. is it like Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And what are the events on each day? So what we've decided to do, which makes the most sense for riders who are developing and then also for the more experienced riders, there are two separate categories, if you will. You've got the elite race, which is a stage race based on time. And that's the category one, two, and three, or a pro license. There used to be a category five. I think they got rid of it. It's category four. What we do now in the non-three race, or give the option for the three riders to do it, if they're not sure they can you know, go against the elite one twos, because the three, four race, if we use that you know, uh, nomenclature, their road race is only 34 miles, though they still have to go up the mountain. The elite race, oh, okay. the road race, is 62 miles. So there's a real difference. And because we're April 29th, April 30th, or the first weekend in May, it's about fitness. It's like a season opener for riders. Oh, yeah. So when you do a And stage, weather. Right, exactly. Although I have to say, everyone listening, I don't know if the Catskills just like the bike race, but we've rarely had terrible weather. We've had a little bit of spotty rain. We've had Up days on of wood. 70. 
um, 70 degree weather. It's kind of a great transition because we're not quite spring and but winter's a little bit behind us. And of course, with climate issues, you know, the, the, the things change much more rapidly. They get warmer quicker in the year, early season. So what we did was we came up with a format of a single day road race and realized that's a lot to ask for a rider from Ontario, Washington to drive all that distance for one event. So we began to think, how can we expand it? But you have to also develop rapport with the various communities and show them that you're really doing a good job of highlighting where they live and making it safe for everyone involved. And we did that. And we were able to go to three other communities and say, could we host another event? So now we have a time trial, which is also really key because it gives the riders a chance to test themselves, particularly the beginning riders. And then if you use the stage race format with three separate stages, meaning the time trial, the circuit race, and the road race, there's incentives for any number of riders to come because they've got this conglomerate of three events to test themselves. And then ultimately there'll be a winner that gets like, for example, the jersey behind me. So we have that. And then if you do the category three, four race as an omnium based on points, it's a la carte. You can choose what you want to do and not overwhelm yourself uh, to the degree that it's kind of a nice thing because there may be a rider who says, oh, I can't ride three days in a row or three different races because it's a lot to ask in the early season. So if you don't have the experience in a criterium or circuit race, you have then the time trial, which is you race against yourself and the clock or the road race, meaning if you're not experiential in a road race environment, if you get dropped, as we said earlier, you may find new best friends four miles later or later on. So it's a stage Hope race. Hope I find for, a best friend <laughs> to well, ride with. <laughs> you know, it, I can remember riding the Canadian National Championships, the road race one year, and the breakaway by yourself? the road. And it was with Pierre Harvey and, and they all the guy Bauer, they'd all gone up the road. And I'm with Martin Cremero and a host of other riders. And we just made a train ride out of it because there was no point. We were never going to catch them. And we rode, but we stayed all together. And I have to remember, I have to say from that experience, the the sort of sense of like sharing, we were sharing food, people were running out of water. Those friendships have been forever. So I think when you look at cycling and you look at it, particularly on a competitive level, uh, and it probably happens with running and skiing, cross-country ski racing in particular, I would say, you know, if you've done it, maybe not as much as cross-country because it's still more of individual, you don't have quite the pack finishing, but if you have a group of riders riding to the end together and encouraging each other, somehow you either never want to talk to them again <laughs> or, your <laughs> friends for, or your friends forever. And, yeah, and I've been in that, that situation where you're just like, uh, just sort of hang out here. There's no point of me breaking away. Might as well just you know, find out you just start, then it turns into like a Sunday ride. And then we sprint for the finish. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, that's also very indicative of the Tour de France. You know, the break goes up the road and you've got the <laughs> gruppetto behind riding. And then they do a ceremonial sprint at the end because they're all just grateful they made it within the time cut. Yeah. And you know what? That's probably some of the things, something that, you know, the tour does not, fo like, I obviously capture right is like everything that's happening behind the you know the peloton in front you know like the whole camaraderie of the group ride like the you know the joking and things like that i'm sure it happens it happens all the time and listen yeah. i think women's 
credit to women's competitive cycling. And, you know, again, I will probably uh, bring, uh, reach the ire or create the ire to some of your listeners. I, I think, and I'm going to sort of go forward and then backwards quickly with this thought. Men, and I know this sounds really vulgar, but men can pee-pee on their bicycles. I think that rule is going to change of all because I think the way the cameras are catching it is still a little bit unappealing to spectators on the TV and or on the side of the road. But women in a bicycle race, and they do happen, people do stop and go in the woods and do their thing. It's not the same world, okay, when they have the distance. So for women's competitive cycling, three hours is a long time because in a men's race at three hours, they can do their business and they still may have three more hours to race. But in a women's race at three, it's hard to do their business for all the obvious reasons, you know, because of the clothing and blah, blah, blah. So I think when you look at women's competitive cycling with races that are three hours in length, never mind just the biological side, even if that's, you know, if I'm correct or wrong, it's exciting. Women's competitive cycling is unbelievably exciting in three hours, whereas a men's race of seven hours, they'll be chatting and talking and then there'll be the breakaway that goes up the road and the TV watches it. Oh, great. But they usually get caught. But the backside, and of course, credit to your question or thought, is that they're there talking, they're eating lunch, you know, whatever. And for <laughs> us as spectators, it's really a little bit boring. I mean, you can only watch a group of 80 riders laughing because, you know, of course, we understand as now, you know, new, not newbies to the sport, but we understand it's a tough sport. But if you all see a stage of the Tour de France and they're all smiling and laughing, it takes away from the sort of the, the, the grimace of, and the pain exactly, and like, like the, right. the poker phase or you're exhausted. And of course, <laughs> at the end, back to the Gruppetto, which also as they're not they're racing against the clock. So they get within the time limit. A lot of times they are tired. They've been sick the night before. They had an injury. They crashed. They're so grateful to be across their line. You'll see them smile and, and thank all of each other. And I think goes back to what I said earlier with the road race. Those moments when you're either with teammates and or new friends or people that are working together to either get to the finish just they want to finish so they don't get a DNF on their, uh, their, their uh, result sheet and or because they're wanting to race the next day, they're all committed. And that commitment ends, lends itself, I think, at the end of the day to some great potential um, friendships. And I think, you know, again, for you and all the 13, 14 years that you've been with masters women and younger athletes and so on, they've probably have, you have such a strong following and it's based upon your charisma and you're willing to give them the focus that sometimes they need. Bicycle racing is tough enough. And if there isn't a mom or a significant other or a mentor, it's really difficult to do it on your own. So when we create this platform of the three days of Ulster cycling, it's for you to come and you're all rock stars. You are the stars. There are no men there. It's you are as athletes, the highlight of the day for everyone that's involved, whether the county officials, the governor who comes, all of that focus is upon them in a degree that we hope not only empowers them, but also makes them feel the comfortability that this is a sport that's open and it's not. I want it to be really inclusive. That's really a dream to make our sport as love inclusive that. as possible. You know? I love the ex inclusivity and a, a lot of women do like that too. I know with my club, that was 
this year out of so many years, that word came up a lot in our, like our, when we asked for feedback at the end of the season was the, the inclusiveness of our club. I mean, these past years have been pretty challenging and we've been able to pull out uh, uh, seasons within our club successfully and um, without incident. And it's been amazing. And a lot of women have really appreciated that. Um, so your event, before we move on to other exciting things, so it's, <laughs> so your website is womens-cycling.com for Correct. your event. Right. And I will say to everyone listening, please be patient with us. That was created. I'm very, very proud to say this with my son at the helm, but another guy <laughs> putting together something that's focused upon women. So there may be an element of, and I know this sounds incredibly dumbass and maybe sexist, <laughs> but men, you know, putting on things that are women focused could be construed a little sideways. So if you do look at the website, understand it's evolving um, and uh, it's meant to be informational in a collaborative way. I'll, uh, I'll uh, connect you with a female web designer that can help you. <laughs> that just made my day. Uh, that's my second Christmas gift. Um, we have a project. I'll do that for you because it does make a difference and you can see the difference. Like, you know, the, Thank you. the femininity. Well, can I, can I, Sylvia, I'm so flattered that you uh, reached out to me and, and, and asked me to be um, hopefully not scaring everyone off of my long windedness, but to be here because one of the things that all of you should understand uh, about this project, uh, it's never, and I say this, hopefully not seeming like an egoist talking about egoism, but it's not my event, everybody. It's our, it's the we. And I have really tried hard to encourage former riders, women racers to step up and become the race director and be that mouthpiece and be that encouraging, uh, you know, sort of spotlight, uh, lighthouse, if you will. And it's not so easy and no offense to anyone, even other men don't want to succeed me, not because I might do it better because I think I have flaws. I think I could do things much better, be more efficient, but it's not easy to find that personality that, that, that wants to do all the things that Sylvie knows as a coach and, and collaborator with a club. Uh, whether male or female, but I'm about to share news oh. that no one has heard other than my parents that <laughs> we have now a woman as our race director who has been involved with international cycling for years and years and bragging rights. She's one of the reasons that the world championships, the world championships, which, which were just held in Belgium this year, yeah. are taking place in Rwanda, Africa in 2025. Wow. So Kimberly Coates is our race director. Who Kimberly just, Coates? Yep, C-O-A-T-S. She is dynamic, endearing, encouraging. Um, I think she's also a huge proponent for things global. There's a lot going on with the Afghan women who now some have yeah. migrated in, in this U.S., she was involved with the UCI developmental team, and they've just recently lost the Eritrean rider who died in a, a, a 
car bicycle accident. She's got a global perspective, but I know this sounds so stupid to say, but she's a woman. <laughs> and this is a women's only sporty event that is collaborated by both men and women uh, in, in a unique, positive way. So I'm happy to have to shade that. And it kind of makes me want to tear up. Oh, that's super exciting. Now we're going to have to get her on here to talk about it. But so talking about that, I'm going to talk to you about the cycling event that I started here in my region and i'm really curious because you said one thing martin was that people don't want to necessarily travel long distance for a single event you know these days they they like to bundle it up with a couple things so to make it like you know a family trip or, or something like that so uh let me just say it i think when the I think it'll be our fifth year next year. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I think it's going to be our fifth year as of next year that we started a time trial event in my region. So basically very close to my house. <laughs> and for obvious reasons, because I'm putting it on. Because <laughs> our club is putting it on. Well, I have a story for you about that too later. <laughs> if I have anything to say about it, it's got to be close to my house. Right. However, so it's a very challenging time, a 15K time trial, because it's an out and back and it's hills. It's not like, well, your typical flat time trial. Um, however, I've always wanted to add to it. So there's, so I've thought of a prologue for Friday night. Um, I used to participate in a master stage race event in Sutton, Quebec, not too far from you called Les Coupes, de, Les Coupes des Amériques. So it was only masters, men and women. And they started the Friday night with a prologue, like 19K, 5K up a hill, like, and then the next morning was a time trial. Then you had a, a short court race course or a crit, and then like the long road race on Sunday morning. So it was four events over three days. Now, I'm not looking at doing something to that magnitude, but a prologue was an idea. And we have a, uh, in Chelsea where I live, a really nice steep little mountain climb up to a ski hill, <laughs> just like Sutton, maybe not as long. Um, and then gravel race, everybody's into the gravel. There's a big, like, like where I am, lots of gravel rides that happen out here wow so what kind of advice would you give me well you know it's i'm gonna i'm gonna jump i think you guys are gonna have to come quickly. up <laughs> I, I i i'm just so like wow you are a bundle of energy and you've got these great um ideas uh that i think of not only reach fruition but can continue to expand I'm going to say this quickly and then go back to your question. I want to create a women's series. We were working with Louis Barbeau and John Large to create no. a, a triangle, Woodstock, um, Gatineau, and Montreal, and it would be a world, the World Cup level, UCI, 
and everyone loves the idea from years, I think it was a year and a half ago we spoke about it, but with COVID and the world, the economy and things are slow to get going, that's where we're at. However, in order to do anything outside of being overly ambitious, you need to start small. And your event, we can sister with you, our event, you know, you maybe our event is that weekend, two weeks later, they're going to Sutton or to Chelsea, what have you. What you should do, because also, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I get a sense that you've got a strong following and you probably got a core group of women that you could unite to think tank it and figure out what to do with the various players. If in fact you already have a time trial course, I mean, you could already do a hill climb, but that's asking a lot. You might want to do that later in the year when people are fitter. Hill climbs are super hard. Oh, our, our event is in July. Okay, so you're in July. I mean, then we yeah. can still sister with you and, and get ex riders yeah. excited to go up to you yeah. and make it more international. But starting small, you've already got the base. You've got one event and you just have to bookend it with two others. So the prologue could be a prologue, short and fun. And then you do a barbecue or a dinner like we do. And they're all together. You get special people like Julie to come back or Pierre. I was funny. I was going to call Pierre and have him say hello, but you know, I don't want to be like doing two things at once. I'm not really good at multitasking, but you would have then your <laughs> guest speakers and then you would have your uh, event on Saturday, which whatever. And I would almost say Saturday should be the crit and make it easy to work with your volunteers and the community and then have the road race as the queen stage and have it be then everyone's tired at the end so that when you do the barbecue or your award ceremony, everyone's grateful it's over, but they're so happy as they're over. So you get this sort of mix. So you start out easy and you end it hard or you do the road race on Saturday to get the most work done because the road race is a lot more work than the criterium. And then you do the crit on Sunday and then you make it easy and everyone your volunteers aren't burnt out. In the time trial. Well, time trial could be the front. Oh, you want to do four then? So you want to do a double? No, I don't. I don't want to do a crit. Okay, um, so do the time trial and make it long and hard. Yeah, um, so I have the time trial already. So that's my that's our event, and it's a fifteen k hilly one. So that's a, that's always been like a Saturday morning. And then you so, can do the hill climb on Friday to make it easy. So yeah, so I was thinking the prologue yes. Friday, the TT on Saturday. Yep. And the gravel on Sunday. Well, you'll get all kinds of takers on the gravel because it's just taken off. It's just it's, it's huge like, here. We just had the World Gravel Championships in Holland um, uh, last weekend. I mean, it's like all of a sudden gone from zero to 60, you know, literally in two years. Um, I know that when we were kids, right, training, we would do training camps in Vermont. And our training was mainly gravel roads, never knowing that that would be Become like the norm and as the, the hot the dutch do it now they race on the beach you know there's all these other options that are also a little bit safer and um in the case of gravel a lot of times there's really no traffic out there so if you're going to do that um elementally you could take your time trial i don't know if there's any way to incorporate gravel into that as well kind of keep the theme gravelly or that you know so that it's like you know sort of has that focus for athletes um, but whatever it is, it's a three-day event that encourages cross-disciplining. Uh, you know, a time trial in itself is its expertise. Um, the gravel race, different style bike. I do know from a democratic point of view, and again, maybe being Canadian, this is sort of my mindset. <laughs> Talk to me. 
we don't encourage the, the time trial is road bikes so that we don't get riders feeling that they have to have their time trial bike in the stage race so they ride their road bike in yeah. the in the time trial because many many riders particularly amateur athletes in the northeast they may have a time trial bike or they may not and you, you know, you don't assume you could ask them, do you have one? But it's easier for me just to say, bring your road bike, use it for everything. Yeah. Well, I don't, um, we don't require a time trial bike, but they do have to go through a, um, the measuring, sure. you know, the UCI uh, standards of, uh, you know, making sure the bike is set up properly. Sure. Um, but, you know, lots of people bring time trial and they have, or they do road. So there's which is great. The reason on the time trial we don't do it on the, on the pro race is that the rider with the road bike versus the rider with the time trial, the difference is, is unbelievable. It's like when oh, I yeah, first I rode my time trial bike, I felt I was on a rocket. It was just <laughs> it was just so different than the road bike. So you don't want to make the times like if you have 30 riders with a TT bike and another 40 without it, those 30 are going to be the top 30 just because of the time right. job bike. The equipment so is to so use their, their bike that they're going to use for like all, like the other two all, events. All three, all three events, yeah. the other time trial and road. So whether so it's that, a gravel bike, they do it all with all. <laughs> but no, no, no. You know, in your case, I think in your case, because there's a willingness and also experience for having already done the choice between a road or time, whatever people have, you don't, I mean, listen, that's another, I mean, we talk about barriers to the sport. If you're thinking you need a time trial bike and then a gravel bike and a road bike, you could buy a house um, with all that expenditures. So, you know, you want to try to keep it from a develop, <laughs> developmental uh, perspective. And I think credit to you for having a master's club or the team with a club around it. They, those athletes probably share equipment. They, you know, you Young athlete or not a young athlete, but a first timer, whether it's a master's or younger, someone's got an extra bike here. You know, I've got extra shoes until that happens more. I think you're going to have, you're going to see the difficulty of the numbers really increasing because you spending $9,000 on two sets of wheels, a bicycle and your clothing is asking a lot for a lot of people, especially young juniors. So the development of the sport really is gauged or will be gauged on how we develop newbies, whether they're juniors and or 18, 19, 21 year old college grads. So I think so, yeah, that's why we try to do it as equitably as possible at our race. Yeah. I mean, the success of my event has been hugely based on my club because without my club, I have no volunteers. Well, I don't have any volunteers, but it's a requirement for our club members to volunteer. So this is great. Yeah, which we, is we unfortunately don't have a club attached to our event, which is kind of that weird thing. We want to create one huge. with the race in mind, you know, mm -hmm. so there's catch twenty two. Mm -hmm. um, but we have the it's fire massive because that's one thing I I never have to stress about is like how many volunteers because there's they should come an, down to Woodstock. <laughs> there's an incentive to be a volunteer because you get $50 back at the end of the season from your membership. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And if you don't volunteer, you don't get the money back. <laughs> so, 
So. Yeah, I mean, there there really is the carrot, the incentive. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, the glory of winning a race, you know, to become a professional. There's always a goal. But I think with volunteerism, um, we see it a lot with our event. It's from the heart. And the, in this case, because we're highlighting the Boys and Girls Club, um, oh, which very nice. always struggling. Uh, well, that's and, it, because that's where you find them because that's the that'll make or break your event right there is is how your volunteers uh perceive your event and their seriousness around it you know honestly yeah we we do three um, charitable groups the uh, the Wichita fire department the boys and girls club as i mentioned and also the local food pantry so that you you've created a real harmony amongst uh, many members of the community, as opposed to no offense to the elite events that are elite. The events that are at the level, at the highest level, they have, they're focused on whether it's getting points for the Olympics or what have you. But I think the underpinning of all events uh, is about it being something that's spectator friendly. And that's what we're working on. The more people that come out to cheer on your athletes, great for them. You know, we all have egos. We like, you know, we like to hear the rah-rah and the, the, the you know, the, the happiness. Well, that's why, I, yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to um, create, like, add on to the event. Now we've got like this time trial down to a, a science. Now, what can we add that's local that would incentivize them? Because I know, based on the calendar, and I'm on the FQSC Quebec calendar, is that they pin something else on Sunday. So riders have to pick and choose which one they go to. And sometimes that they're attached to points. So they won't necessarily come out for my event. They'll stay local and go to that event. And so that's, that takes away from my event. Um, and... Uh, so that's why this year I said, this is what I'm doing. I have three events. I'm looking at three events. Right. I want the whole weekend. So don't like, and this is the date I want. And I also said, uh, these are the categories I want. I want, I no longer want the two categories for women. I want a developmental like one to four, like everybody else. So my so new people can come and know that they're racing against other new cyclists, not racing with like everybody and getting well, creamed out of their category. You know what I mean? Like everything else in the world besides Quebec has evolved into different like age categories, different um developmental categories we're like in the stone ages i'm like you, you guys can't keep doing this well because I think women are it, not going to race yeah Period. i think that you touch on are some really important aspects of the sport we at our event break it into several masters categories as well so we incentivize riders to come because like carol vanier they'll come and they'll ride knowing there's a master's prize and a jersey and what have you. But in your case, going back to the event, two things I'd like to say, and again, I don't know how much uh, time your uh, listeners have to continue listening to my long-winded but <laughs> I hope I'm everybody's enjoying this. <laughs> I'm more than happy to offer uh, support from us in your July event. So uh, I know you have a great volunteer base, but we'll, we will help you 
evolve your event to a three-day because that's what Gatineau was hoping to be, the women's UCI Gatineau. And now it's sort of in like John Large and his team are trying to re, you know, reevaluate how that's going to grow. You already have an event and you can evolve and you should have the support of FSQ, whatever, Louis Barbeau, whatever, the Federation Cycliste, uh, what, Quebec. Um, that should be the incentive for them to like look to you that they're not worthy because if you're going to be looking to evolve it into something much more important for riders who would otherwise be a little bit like ah, one day race driving across all of Quebec or from New Brunswick or what have you. That's not what is sports about because the end of the day, Sylvie, and to your listeners, the carbon footprint is something we all as organizers have to take into account. If you can get riders to you and they're there for three days and everything is from one hub, like a spokes and they do their events, they're not driving, like we're not going to Syracuse, New York and then Montreal and whatever. That's hard on the human body and it's also expensive, but, but the carbon footprint's there. So there's a really an ecological side to what we're moving forward, never mind wellness. And women, and I know this is vulgar for your listeners, and I hope you're not aghast at, the, at this. It's a really kind of bold statement, but women get shit done. And if women are going to see things happen, whether it's wellness related, it's related to getting more people on bicycles to commute to work or school, or to highlight the competitive spirit that bicycle racing, it, it really brings out, then women are going to be at the helm. And this is credit to Swift and Eric Min and his team for getting behind the four-year four contract for the Tour de Feminine. Four years, they're putting millions of dollars into the Tour de France for women. And that's incredible because yes. that will give exposure at a mm -hmm. highest, highest level possible. Yes, the women would rather have 14 days instead of eight, but that could evolve. So for eight, let's do it. Yes, it was in 1984. It was like, I think, three weeks long. But for 20 years, it was dormant. So listen, bragging rights for our race. Ariane Bonham has written it. Christy Lay has written it. Emma White, she's one of bronze oh, medals awesome. in Tokyo Olympics. And she's been at our race. Rebecca Farringer is a superstar in the U.S. cycle and Canadian cyclocross scene. And then you've got a host of women that just love bicycling and they don't need to be stars. That's not in their, that's not their game plan. They want to do it because they can enjoy and they get a chance to be with 100 or 130 other different uh, you know, uh, levels. So yeah, count on us to help you with your event. Gosh, thank you, Martin. This has been amazing. And like I said to our listeners, thank you for like tuning in on this because you have no idea what has just happened here. <laughs> because you know, when the network go to the federal witness protection program now. <laughs> <laughs> so get your bicycles ready for next year. And that's all I have to say is look at your calendar and decide what kind of event that you want to participate in that's going to take your fitness and your experience to the next level and just get you more ingrained into the world of cycling because that's all we ever want be, you know between a race organizers cycling coaches cycling clubs is to grow the sport and to create a safe environment to do so and that's why we put ourselves out there and and just create these events for you to go and experience and martin well, i'm like I, i'm gonna cry 
Well, well, you know, you, you brought tears to my eyes earlier, and and having a chance to sort of reminisce about you know things in my past is kind of a it's touching, even though I don't want to appear to be overly egotistical about that. But one thing that Sylvie and I would like to say to all your Sylvie, your listeners, and people who may be new to this podcast, we Sylvie and I and others, we are highlighting the bicycle, and we're highlighting it in a way that makes it endearing to you whether you want to be competitive or you want to test yourselves at a time trial and maybe be overwhelmed and say, oh, it's too difficult and or be smitten by the experience, the adrenaline rush, what have you. Bicycling is the wave of the future for all urban centers and for ex-bicyclists, ex-competitive cyclists, excuse me, to do a little bit what I'm doing, promoting an event, yes, but with the idea that the big picture is that people should ride bicycles is really key. So credit to you, Sylvie, and your enthusiasm for all the things you do. Martin, I really appreciate that. I do. And with that, we're going to finish this up. I want to thank Martin. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And I hope that you go to the website and you take a really good look at their event for this year. I also um, will include my link. Um, I don't really have a website, but I have a Facebook page where I put everything on. <laughs> That made it super easy. Our event, by the way, is April 29th, April 29th, April 30th, May 1st, 2022. And you can always, and and now that I have this really great uh, camaraderie with Sylvie, you reach out to Sylvie Direct to get to me and or you can always write directly to us at WWCGP2014 at gmail.com. Hold on, let me just get that. It's w. the initials for the, the original race, Women's Woodstock Cycling Grand Prix, WWCGP2014 at gmail.com. And many a person has said, why don't you become contemporary and use 2022 or whatever? That was our good luck. We, we're here eight years later, so I kept that email at 2014. So I'm happy to answer any questions, and you know, maybe Sylvie will uh, invite me back uh, a couple weeks prior to the event. Yes. Well, what we'll do, you guys, and, and make sure that you're following both of us on Instagram, is that we'll do a live. We'll just go on Instagram and start promoting there. And that's the right. best and easiest way for both of us to get to you guys and encourage you to go and register with friends. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, again, to all your listeners, I'm the dinosaur on this team. And a credit to you for being so patient with me. Social media is really important here in the 21st century, and it's a way to connect. And I'm grateful that uh, I met Sylvie through Facebook. And you know, for all of the Big Brother discussions about Meta, their new name, had it not been for that algorithm, I would have never met Sylvie. So I'm a, I'm a, a growing fan of the, the importance of social media. So I look forward to answering any questions and. Sylvie will continue our chats as we move along. Excellent. So thanks a lot, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes. Have an amazing day. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Thanks, Martin. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. 
please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.